You're a busy provider trying to stay current with the latest HIV testing, prevention, and treatment guidelines, and your pockets are overflowing with note cards. You need a convenient, trustworthy source for HIV testing, treatment, prevention, and care protocols. All healthcare professionals have a role in stopping HIV. Introducing HIV Care Tools from the AIDS Education and Training Center program. The HIV Care Tools mobile app is simple, free, and fully functional offline or online. It features quick guides for HIV prevention, screening, testing, diagnosis, and treatment. HIV Care Tools provides common clinical calculators used in HIV management and provide validated screening tools for comorbidities such as depression, substance use disorders, and PTSD. And if you need clinician-to-clinician consultation, HIV Care Tools provides one-touch access to free clinical consultation services by a multidisciplinary team of experts. Take us with you. Download HIV Care Tools today. Welcome to Nika in the Know, a podcast for healthcare providers in the HIV field. I'm Mariana Braitman. As we wind down 2022, I'm sitting down with John Farragon to do a year in review and talk about some of our most important topics from this past year. Welcome again, John. Thanks, Mariana. Glad to be here. So, John, let's get right into it. What has stood out to you in our episodes this past year? Yeah, um, sure, Marianne. I think I think there's a lot, right, that we that we covered this year. Obviously, kind of you know, big big topics and kind of you know more focused information too. But um, first of all, I before we kind of get into, it, I just want to thank uh, thank you uh, for for all the those of you who are listening to our podcast each, each week. You know. Uh, and, and if and if you're getting something out of it by you know by listening to us, just you know it's nice for us to hear too. But please feel free to share share with your colleagues. Um, you know, while uh, many of the episodes that we cover have kind of been about clinical topics, I think it's really important for the broad audience to kind of hear some of these uh, these updates. Um, we're trying more in 2023 to kind of vary not only who presents, you know, just in case you're sick of hearing me all the time. Um, uh, not that I'm on all of them, but I know I did a lot of them this year, but, uh, but, uh, but also vary the topics as well. Um, so you can maybe to encapsulate a, a, a more broad audience. Um, so, so if you like us and you're liking what you're hearing, you know, um, please promote our work. If you can, it does, it does help us. Um, and it certainly does help to spread the word. So if you, so if you like what you're hearing, you know, let us know and let other people know too, and, you know, and share, uh, share, share the platforms with other people. So I thought we'd um, hit a few topics that we, that we covered in detail this year. Uh, just some highlights. Uh, I think the most important thing this year, we had a couple of new drugs uh, that, that aren't necessarily approved yet, but, you know, certainly some new data on new drugs. Uh, and there's also some new data that, that I'll, I'll highlight uh, some SARS-CoV-2 updates, you know, and I know we, we kind of focus on those NIH guidelines. I think they're great to kind of go to for information. Uh, DHHS and IESUSA guideline updates, um, one in particular, the ISUSA guideline update, we'll cover in more detail next year, but it, that recently happened. And then I think uh, a big thing this year was some of the updates on on, on PrEP and, and some of those changes to the guidelines late last year and early into, into 2023. Sounds good, John. So let's just, you know, dive right in. What can you tell us about new drugs and data? Yeah, so so when I kind of look back on what we covered this year, I think one of the most important things I think was the Aslachivir story. 
And I think that was important this year. As many of you may know, this was a medication that was initially uh, put on hold late in uh, 2021 uh, due to low lymphocyte counts in, in some of the studies. So again, you know, it was a, a it was an uh, NRTTI, a, a new mechanism of action. Uh, you know, people were really, I think, excited about the about this medication. Uh, uh, so when it was put on hold, I think a lot of people were kind of bummed out a little bit because you always worry about you know drugs as they get further along in development, they may actually actually get you know kind of stop stop developing. Um, but the good news is, I think we heard this and we covered this is uh, some of the studies actually were were, were restarted, uh, and they used lower doses of latrovir and you know and increased some of the monitoring, and were able to to kind of keep those studies going, which is good. I think the, one of the most important ones is, is there's a there's this combination study with the capsid inhibitor uh, lenacapavir that was restarted. <clears throat> the bad news was that I think the long acting implant, at least for latrovir, was not restarted. Now there might be other other uh, long-acting implants uh, that that might be that might be available with other medications, but I think that was a dis- disappointment for many of us in the field since this is this would have been a really great addition to our options for for prep, uh, which is you know pre- HIV prevention had it panned out. But more more to come in 2023, I think on Eslatrovir. I think stay tuned um, to our podcast for more up- updates. I think we'll see uh, more more data from uh, from this compound as we move forward. Um, kind of along the same lines is uh, likely to be approved by the FDA uh, when maybe even when when this airs, uh, barring some major developments. But at the end of the month in December of 2022, the lenacapavir capsid inhibitor is is the is 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 likely to be approved by the FDA. Again, I don't know for sure. The FDA could say no, but the the, the date to decide is basically the end of December. So uh, this is the long acting six month sub Q injection. It's likely to be used uh, in that formulation in people with minimal treatment options. So again, not FDA approved today. Their Perdufa date is, I think, December 27th. So that's the day that they have to kind of decide. Um, but we presented a lot on lenacapavir this year, and hopefully the data is good enough for, and robust enough for the FDA to to, uh, to to approve the medications. There was some issues with the vials and some compatibility at one point, so they they that was put on hold, and then it was opened back up. Remember, too, that most of the the patients in, in these studies, especially the Capella study, these are treatment experience patients who had limited treatment options. Um, so th- these are patients who have, you know, basically minimal active drugs in their, in their background regimen. So the regimens that they're taking in addition to the lenacapavir are very limited. Um, so that data was, uh, some of the updated data was presented towards the end of the year. Um, um, and these were people uh, who had uh, detectable viral loads, resistance to at least a, uh, two agents from three of the four main, main ARV classes, uh, less than two fully active drugs. 72 patients uh, were enrolled in the study, 25% female, 38% black. Bottom line, uh, baseline viral loads, you know, again, were at least 400. Um, and and when, you, when you look back at the at the 52-week uh, results, um, out of the 72 participants who enrolled across all the study arms, it was 78% of those patients had gotten their viral load to under 50 copies. So again, a couple of different ways they did it, but at the end of the day, um, it's 78% of people were undetectable. And if you look at less than 200 copies, which is what uh, many people use to kind of determine if somebody's suppressed, uh, it, it rose to about 82%. So again, a really difficult population to, to, to treat. You know, CD4 counts increased by a median, median of 84 cells. So again, if you if you think about how this drug is going to be used, um, there was uh, mostly I think in the beginning I think you're going to see probably treatment experience patients. At least that's kind of my thought. Um, 
however, there was another study called the Calibrate study, which was done in um, uh, in treatment AE patients, and we'll have to look at that as well. So hopefully uh, in early 2023, we'll have a new label, you know, if it's FDA approved, uh, and uh, we can, based on that data, we can review it for you on, on one of our podcasts in, in the future. We'll also have to see what the cost of this new medication is going to be, and I think you know, since it, since it's an injection, albeit sub Q, uh, many will want to know uh, um, if it will be purchased like a pharmacy benefit, like some of the drugs, or will it be one of these buy-in bills like we're doing with cabrapivirine, which again sometimes can present some complexities for some of the some institutions that may maybe maybe doing this. So again, not FDA approved yet, um, and you'll have to see what the FDA decides. But pretty soon, hopefully, we'll have an answer. Uh, but again, it, more to come in 2023. Um, uh, likely on lenacapavir, and we'll talk more about that in some of our future podcasts. Thanks, John. And what about COVID-19, you know, and SARS-CoV-2 infection? That's certainly been an ever-changing topic. What happened with all of that in 2022? Yeah, so just a few things here I thought we'd, we'd touch on. First, I think many of us are hearing about the triple threat of RSV, influenza, and COVID-19. You know, we're certainly right in the middle of it here uh, in, in, in New York State. Uh, and this is the middle, you know, middle of December when we're uh, when we're uh, recording this, um, certainly a, an issue in New York State and others. You know, some of the key things. I think vaccination still remains a big key. Um, there's the the new bivalent booster booster, which is you know recommended for um, for, for patients, including those who are immunocompromised. Um, continue to be recommended for people. You know, if you're eligible. So again, check to see if you're eligible. And if you are, obviously re- receive a booster. Um, for outpatient treatment, I, I think ritonavir boosted nirmatrelvir. Uh, is still a preferred option for patients. And, you know, with the big caveat there, we've covered this a couple of times about tr- significant drug-drug interactions with um, with that medication because the ritonavir is a booster um, and can inhibit that CYP450 system and really cause some drug interaction issues. But I think this medication has particularly been helpful in some of the older patients in, with COVID-19, and that's been shown in some of the studies. Um, in addition, I think we need to keep our attention focused on the variants and more importantly, the efficacy of some of our monoclonal antibodies like beptilevimab, for example. It's not really going to be effective against some of the current variants. Um, there may still be a, a role a role for the for the Evasheld, which is the, um, um, the dual monoclonal antibody that's used for kind of prevention. And, and we'll talk about more about this, I'm sure, in 2023. But again, I encourage people to Take a look at, the, look at those NIH guidelines, which we try to do our best to kind of cover whenever there's a large update to those guidelines. We try to cover that on, on our on our podcast. So if you want to listen to some of the most recent ones, you know, some the guidelines, when they have changed, we've done our best to make sure we've kept up on it. But NIH guidelines, you can search those on, on Google and you can get to those and, and find them. Speaking of guidelines, what new information came out this past year? Yeah, so, so from an HIV standpoint, uh, Mariana, we always have like an update to DHHS guidelines, and usually every two years, sometime in December, usually um, there's an update to the IES USA guidelines. And again, just so you know, there's there's different panels on DHHS and IES USA. So the DHHS guidelines are the federal guidelines that are that are endorsed by the, by the U.S. federal government. The IES US guidelines is kind of a, an international panel, but again, very often very very similar to what's in DHHS, but some nuances here and there. But in general. I think that the the the, um, uh, the ISUSA guidelines just recently changed uh, or updated, I guess, in, in, the, in the last few weeks uh, in early in, in December of 2022. So we'll we'll likely have a podcast for that in early 2023. But just I think many of us are aware of this. If you're treating HIV, you know, especially for treatment naive patients, for most patients, 
we're, you know, we're, we're using integrase strand transfer inhibitor based regimens. And whether that's a three drug version or two drug version, depending on which drugs are on the different guidelines, you know, these, this is not a surprise. I, you know, since, since most of the data, um, with a lot of these integrase inhibitors really looks good. And some recent data actually looked at five years of, of second generation uh, NST-based regimens, uh, showing long-term success with really no cases of insulin resistance. And that was from um, from some of the, the 1489 and the 1490 uh, study, which looked at BICTEF FTC. But I think the point with that study is that not only is BICTEGRAVIR um, the uh, the 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 integrase inhibitor, but also the dutegravir is also there as well. And also even dutegravir, bacavir, 3TC, which is still on the DHHS guidelines. You know, so, so a lot of the DHHS guidelines are kind of supported by these this 1489 and 1490 study. Obviously, there's other studies as well that support them. But the five-year data, I think, is interesting in that fact that there's really no, no um, integrase resistance in, in these studies. Um, so again, um, high rates of biologic suppression, good CD4 recovery with the with these meds, they really do work work well. But I think the treatment emergent resistance, I think that's the amazing piece in my mind that we have five years of data and there's really no no treatment emergent resistance. Um, just be careful. I think everybody's aware of this, but we'll have to watch this in 2023. Uh, Some of the data that might come out maybe potentially um, uh, continuing uh, to get data on weight gain with some of these medications. And if you looked at weight gain, even in this five-year uh, study, it's about six to seven kilograms um, for patients who are on, on Victegravir. And again, most of that's happening early on in the study, but again, long-term, we have to kind of continue to think about that. Um, both guidelines have <clears throat> some great sections on HIV and aging and also polypharmacy, which is an important piece for me as a pharmacist. It's one of the things that I tend to look at, especially as our patients get older. Um, and, and they're all important topics that, that we covered in detail in 2022 with more to come in 2023 as well. Um, since a lot of these uh, these new medications become available uh, and the guidelines are updated. Also, just a kind of a side note, the cabopivirine is also now discussed in both of the documents as well. Um, this is that IM injection, uh, two-shot injection that we use for, for patients who are looking to stop pills if, you know, if they're suppressed and meet certain criteria. But if, um, you know, they obviously have to, to, to qualify clinically. But I think the most important thing... Um, here is that you know the guidelines are, are you know they're 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 evolving documents and they're changed on a regular basis. But um, I encourage you to take a look at those guideline uh, uh, recommendations if if you're doing HIV care. So John, to finish up today, what advancements do listeners need to know about when it comes to prep? Yeah, so so I think this is really a, an important piece of what we do um, for 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 our, for our patients, right, Mariana? We try to get these patients on. Uh, on PrEP who are not HIV infected to make sure we have um, the, um, uh, you know, we have these these biomedical interventions for prevention and we really should be doing our best to utilize them. And certainly it's a big challenge. <clears throat> clearly, excuse me, clearly in the, in the, in the MSM population, men having sex with men, there's a lot of, a uh, lot of uptake, um, especially in white MSM, there's a lot of, uh, a large uptake of, in, in PrEP. We have a lot to do uh, for patients who, um, uh, who are black, um, uh, African-American, Latino, Latinx. We, we have a lot of work to do in females and a lot of work to do with uh, people who inject drugs to get those people on PrEP as well. Uh, but the PrEP guidelines came out in late 2021, actually, but the approval of the injectable didn't occur until uh, it was right around 2022 early. So we reviewed this in great detail a few times over, over the over the. Um, uh, over the course of, of 2022. But the big change was that recommendation for fire load testing. 
in addition to the fourth generation antigen antibody testing, which is in the federal guidelines. Your local guidelines may be different, but this is what, what's recommended in federal guidelines. Um, I think we all know we didn't need to do more for, for women on PrEP, as I said, but you know, reminder that TAF is TAF-FTC, which is also added to this updated guideline, um, is not indicated for women. Uh, but TDF-FTC and CAV injection is okay for women. Um, so just to clarify that, so TAF-FTC is the newer version of tenofovir. TDF-FTC is the older version. So the older version and the new injectable cavitegavir is indicated for women, but the TAF-FTC, the newer version of tenofovir, is not um, is not recommended for, for women uh, or anybody who's uh, having vaginal sex. It's not recommended. Uh, there's, there's not enough data yet. So... I guess in, in, in the U.S., there's some data recently that actually shows that only about 10% of women uh, in some of the CDC data that are on are on PrEP that are actually eligible for it. So, <clears throat> again, more work needs to be done in some, some of these different communities. We'll continue to uh, spend more time on PrEP in 2023. You know, I don't know if we're going to get any new drugs that are approved for it, but there are some ongoing studies, which will be interesting to see what happens uh, for, for PrEP. So, so Mariana, just to um, uh, just to kind of round this out uh, for for today, again, a note of thanks once again to our funders. Um, you know, our funders who uh, allow us to continue to provide these valuable updates, um, and also to you for not only recording uh, these, Mariana, but you're the one that kind of uh, you know you take care of the editing and publishing these on on the different platforms that that people are listening to them. Um, you, know, you know, I just I want to appreciate take the time to appreciate you and, and what you do. And obviously, again, thanks to our listeners for letting us take a piece of their busy day, uh, hopefully to provide some education. And I think the education that's valuable uh, for people who are working in the HIV field, you know, everybody's busy, but these are quick snippets, I think, that help people to kind of uh, focus their, focus some topics on um, and some of their listening on, on some of these um, important issues that are happening in the HIV field. John, thank you so much for all of your contributions to the podcast, for joining us today and taking us through all the highlights from 2022. We really hope you learned something new today. To learn more about Nika AATC's work and our role in ending the HIV epidemic, visit us at www.nikaatc.org. That's www.nekaatc.org. If you have questions or comments about anything we covered today, or if you have suggestions for topics you'd like to hear us talk about, don't hesitate to email us at podcast at nikaatc.org. That's P-O-D-C-A-S-T at nikaatc.org. Stay safe and we'll see you on Thursday for our next episode of Nika in the Know. This presentation is supported by the Health Resources and Services Administration, HRSA, of the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, HHS. The contents are those of the authors and do not necessarily represent the official views of, nor an endorsement by HRSA, HHS, or the U.S. government.